Hey, good morning, Revival Life Church. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, to the natural fathers, the spiritual fathers, to those who becoming a father is your COVID project, your coronavirus uh, quarantine project. Happy Father's Day to you. Feel like it's going to be a, a, a great year for you, fathers. And uh, most of all, happy Father's Day to our Father in Heaven. Uh, we're so thankful to be your children. We're so thankful that you sent your son to die on a cross for us. We're so thankful that we get to be called children of God. We're just, we just thank you, Father God. You're, we're just, we, we couldn't put it in the words how amazing it is to be a child of the King. I want to welcome you again uh, for joining us in our super creative series, June 2020. No, we didn't. Uh, we, it's not that we couldn't come up with ideas. We feel like we are in a right now moment. I think in years from now, we're going to be telling our children and our children's children about this season in the world in this season in the United States. I, I, I think uh, that we are in a prophetic moment and we don't want it to pass us by. We want to seize this moment. We want to fully be involved in what God is talking about. Now, it's Father's Day, and I know there's a lot of things that we want to do on Father's Day. We want to get out with our kids. We want to get together. And so uh, I, I have a brief message. So if you'll just uh, get your Bible ready. Uh, Corey Pagano is going to, uh, as a minister, he's going to lead us in the Lord's Supper at the end of the service. So we're just going to get in the Word, and we're just going to see what God is speaking to us this week. You ready? Amen. I want to thank everybody who's been so supportive in this last several weeks as we have tried to navigate coronavirus, as we've tried to navigate what's going on in our country. Uh, just so thankful for all the people who want to see our world made better, our nation made better, and us just be better followers of Jesus. And that's what we all want. We all just want what Jesus paid for on the cross. We want him to inherit everything he paid for. And so I thank you for those who see what God is doing in this season. Now, in really quick to recap from last week, we talked about these two words for time, chronos and kairos, that we see in the Bible. Now, chronos, again, is time that we can measure. Kairos is not so much a measurement as it is a prophetic time, as in an open season, as in a divine moment of opportunity. And we're always in Kronos moments, and I think sometimes we don't really recognize the Kairos moments that we're in. And hopefully together we can all navigate this Kairos moment together. I believe, I believe that the Lord is preparing us for a mighty outpouring, wow, of the Holy Ghost of God. I believe that He is setting us up for revival. I believe that signs, wonders, and miracles are coming in a greater level. And, and I believe that what God's doing right now is a wonder to many people. I think just like in the days that Jesus walked the earth in flesh, many people today don't understand what he's doing. But we are like the sons of Issachar that we understand the times and seasons that we're living in. We're not going to be surprised by what God is doing because we can read the writing on the wall. We see what he's doing. We talked about what these Kairos moments 
are like. Like last week we talked about when you're reading the Bible and words just jump out at you. That's a Kairos moment. Now, of course, those words were always there. It's not like God just put those in the Bible, right? But we've all been, had times that we're reading and we're like, wait a minute, who, who put that in there? Like, wait, what? Was, was that always in there? And you share it with someone and they're like, wow, that's good. Of course, it was always there, but now we see it. Now our heart is ready for it. That's a Kairos moment for us. I, 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 I want to share just a little bit of Bible today just to kind of show you kind of what season I think we're in and how God wants to use it. We're going to jump into Genesis. If you have your Bible, go ahead. If you would open it to Genesis chapter 16, it's going to take me a second to get there. Uh, you'll get there before I do. All right, let's get a running start. You know the story of uh, Abram and, and Sarah. She was Sarai before her name was changed. Abraham and Sarah is what their names eventually became. And Abraham was the father of faith. The, the father visited him and gave him a promise. Here on Father's Day, we're talking about how Father God visited Abraham and told him he would be a father to many nations and all the world would be blessed through him. This was the promise of God. And of course, we know that as Abram and Sarah were traveling at one point, they were traveling through Egypt and, and Abraham lied about Sarah being his sister instead of his wife. And we know the Pharaoh got mixed up with them and wasn't really happy that he was almost lured into sin by Abraham. And uh, we know that Hagar came uh, with them as they left Egypt. Now, Hagar was a woman, obviously. Uh, she was a slave to Abraham and, and Sarah. And Pharaoh gave them to Abraham and Isaac, gave Hagar. And Hagar was of a dif different ethnicity than Abraham and Sarah. They, of course, uh, she was noted for her darker skin. She was of African origin, and, and she always stuck out. Now, Abraham got a promise from God, like I said. Follow me here. Abraham got a promise from God that this multitude would come through him. But the Bible also tells us that Abraham and Sarah were elderly. They were advanced in years. And the Bible actually says that Sarah was postmenopausal at this time. It says she was beyond the age of being able to have children. And so when they got this promise that they were going to have sons more than the stars in the sky, they said, this is impossible. We can't make a son. And so the Bible tells us that Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham to produce a son. Now, in those days, this was not as wrong as it sounds. Now, follow me here for a second. Genesis chapter 16, verse 4, it says, So Abram went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, meaning she got pregnant, her mistress was despised in her sight. Now, that's Sarah. And Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong done me be upon you, 
I gave my maid into your arms, but when she saw she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. Now, this is really important that we understand this relationship. And I really think that this scripture is going to speak to us in our lives today. Now, Sarah had given Hagar to Abraham, not as a concubine and not as a plural wife. This was actually, she was solely to be a womb for Abraham's heir. Now, follow me here for a second. Because she was a slave, they felt like they had the right to impregnate her. They felt like they owned not just her, but her entire body. Now, in those days, and, and if you took any history of law class, which I'm, 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 I imagine that many of us have, and we've taken government classes, we have studied the history of law. You probably remember this. Remember, they talk about the Ten Commandments often, but even before that often, they talk about the Code of Hammurabi. And the Code of Hammurabi was written somewhere around 1700 BC. It was the Babylonian law at the time, and it covered most of life. It had many of the laws on relationships and how things went down and taxes and who owned what and inheritance. The Code of Hammurabi was a milestone in the fact that it laid out so much of life legally. And in the Code of Hammurabi, again, the Babylonian law, it said if a woman can't get pregnant, she can give her slave to her husband to bear a child. Now, unlike in modern times or even times if a man had multiple wives, if a man had multiple wives, his firstborn son would be the heir and his firstborn son's mother, therefore, would be co-heir with the son. Now, with the Code of Hammurabi, it literally says that if a wife gave her husband a slave to bear a child because she couldn't have a child, literally she was just giving a womb. It was the original being a surrogate mother, way before we talk about it in these days. This is not a new thing. And so once Sarah had given a woman to her husband and she got pregnant, she knew she created a problem. She knew there was a problem there. And, and let me tell you why. They were fulfilling the law. There was no problem legally with what they were doing. But the problem was God came into covenant with them. God came and he struck a covenant with Abraham and Isaac. And now his grace was upon them. And he expected more from them than just the law of the land. When you come into this new prophetic season, Old ways of doing things don't work in this prophetic moment. It's super important that we recognize this. When we come into a new prophetic moment, the way we used to do things just won't work anymore. My alma mater, University of Florida, this week, uh, they just put out, uh, you know, there's a, if you're a gator, which I hope you all are, or, you know, aspire to be, that's a joke. Uh, go FAU Owls, right? Whoo! Whoo! My son's an owl. Whoo! My daughter could be an owl. She doesn't want to be, but I want her to be because she'll stay home and housing's paid for. But listen, uh, University of Florida, now this is going to sound crazy to some people, but there's a, 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 a chant that we would do at Gator Games 
and it goes da-da-da-da-da-da, gator bait. My wife was supposed to yell with me there. I don't know why she left me out there like that. Da-da-da-da-da-da, gator bait. Thank you. Thank you, crowd. So uh, it turns out that the history of gator bait, now listen to this. I need, I just, there's, this, this doesn't have to do with race, but it has to do with prophetic moment that I need you to hear. It turns out that this chant has an unbelievably racist history. And last year, apparently, that wasn't a big deal. But now in this prophetic moment, in this Kairos moment, it's a really big deal. And so the University of Florida decided, hey, we're not doing this chant anymore. We're going to have to come up with something new. Now, some people act like their oldest son died because we're not doing this chant. And guess what? It's a football chant, right? It's, it's, it's not real life. We can make up something else. Because in this new prophetic moment, this Kairos moment, this prophetic season, new grace has been poured out to see things we couldn't see before, and we can't act like now we didn't see them. You see, when we're in our ignorance, when we don't see stuff, God is not judging us. But once we see it, and we know the better thing to do, and we don't do it, then it's sin. And so I just applaud the University of Florida, and I applaud every institution that says, man, we have really put down women, or we've put down people of color, or we've put down guys who can't run fast, like me, right? Like, they're like we're, 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 we're trying to make things right for people. That, that's, that's a good thing, and we should applaud that. Looking at you, Ole Miss Rebels. Um, and so they, they, uh, they, they, they made a covenant with God, Abraham and Sarah. And because they made this covenant with God, the big problem was they decided that they would fulfill, watch this, come on, that they would fulfill this covenant with God through legal means. They want to fulfill God's word to them through legal means instead of through grace. And you can't do that. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 says, All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. We can't go around just saying, hey, you know, it's not illegal. That's not enough for us as Christians. It's not illegal is not enough. We're called to live a higher standard. We're called to not be liars. We're, we're called to not be abusers. We're called to not be people of wrath. We're called to be people of grace. We're called to be people of love. We're called to be people of service. And just because something is legal does not make it right. We, we, we as believers can't rest upon the argument, well, it's not against the law. Don't you understand? The government just made it legal. What does that have to do with a Christian? That has nothing to do with our lives. Okay, follow me here. Hagar had no power. She had no power at all because she was a slave. And Hagar is now pregnant with Abraham's oldest son. And so since she felt powerless, she tries to make a power play here, right? So she runs away with technically Sarah's child in her womb. Are you following me? She was being treated poorly by Sarah. 
because Sarah is feeling convicted that they leaned on legalism instead of grace. They did things in their own strength that were legal, but were not according to God's word. And so she's kind of, you know, thinking, hey, I'm living with the woman my husband got pregnant, and there's a conviction there in that. And so she's taking the conviction out on Hagar. She's taking the conviction out on Abraham. Fellas, don't do this, right? Don't, just don't, right? Don't. And so, and so Hagar says, well, hey, I'm the one with, the, I, I know how I can get power. You need me. And so she ran away. And we think maybe she did that hoping she would be made a wife, she would be made a concubine, and she runs away. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us why, but God told her to go back. Are, are you following my story here? This is a pretty good story. Am I making, is this, are you able to follow the story, folks in the room? Yeah, okay, okay. So God shows up to Hagar and tells her to go back to Sarah and Abraham. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly why said that, but God tells her you have to stay connected. You have to stay connected. Then he gave a promise to Hagar. He gave a blessing to her. He told her that her son, in fact, would be born. He didn't say Sarah's son will be born. He said, your son will be born. And he told her that he's going to be alive and healthy. And then she told him, she should name him God Hears, or Ishmael, because of this personal encounter that she had with God. Then God promised her that her son would not be a slave like she is, but he would be free, and that he would be a warrior, and that he would have brothers and family, and he would not be alone like she was. God promised Hagar future for her son. Now, don't let this point pass you by. Under the law, she had no rights. Her child was Sarah's. Her child was Abraham's. But God, God does not look at things through the laws of man. He looks at things through the eyes of his righteousness. He looks at things through the eyes of love, through the eyes of his covenant. He looked upon this woman as a person. See, Abraham and Sarah were operating under an old mindset. But when you come into covenant with God, he expects you to operate in a new mindset. We can't, we can't stay ignorant. We can't stay callous. We, we, we can't stay mean. We're not allowed to. These are people. And so Genesis 16, 13, watch this. Don't let this pass you by. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees. For she said, have I even remained alive here after seeing him? Don't let this pass you by. Hagar is the only person in the Bible to name God. Remember, God told Moses, tell them I am that I am. This female, African, slave, names God, gave God a name. Don't let this pass you by. And so this woman who's pregnant with child goes back home, like God says. And she has Ishmael, just like 
He said she would. And then Abraham gets Sarah pregnant. But she's got the oldest born. Sarah gets jealous after that. Hagar has what she doesn't have. Hagar has an heir. So she starts getting bitter. She doesn't like the relationship between Abraham and Ishmael. And so Abraham convinced, Sarah convinces Abraham to send Hagar away. This is making me uncomfortable. Can we just make it go away? The history of what we did to this African slave woman makes me uncomfortable. Can we just make it go away? No. <laughs> no, we can't. But they send her off. And so she's technically free now, but she's poor, she's hungry, and she's alone. She runs out of food, and her son is born, of course, and she's there in the wilderness. And the Bible says that she was sent off with a little water and a little food, and that's long since gone. And her son, Ishmael, was dying. So she puts Ishmael under a bush, under a tree, and she goes, what they say is the arrows shot away. And she's far enough that she can see her son, but she says, as she's crying, she goes, I cannot bear to watch my son die. And in Genesis 21, God hears the cry we see in verse 17. God heard the cry of the lad crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the boy, hold him by the hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water, and gave the lad a drink. Hagar, who named God the God who sees, just had her eyes open to the water that was before her. Such a prophetic moment. He's the one who sees, and he's the one who opens eyes. Friend, I, I don't know what you're going through today, but God sees. Not only does he see your pain and struggle, he sees the pain and struggle of the people around you. And in this Kairos moment, he's opening eyes. Let me ask you, who do you declare God is in this season? Who have you declared that he is? Is he the God who sees or is he a God of oppression? Is he a God who's hiding or is he the God of answers? Is he the God of love or is he the God of judgment? I, 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 have, been, I have been a little perplexed with some people who see every negative thing happening in the world as judgment from God. Friend, if God wanted to judge us, look at the plagues of Egypt. He doesn't send a virus from a bat. It's unmistakable. <clears throat> ah, Jesus. Hallelujah. America's not dealing with this because of a generational curse from Ham. It's just nonsense. We're dealing with this because there's nothing new under the sun. We're greedy by nature. 
We want power by nature. We want to be rich by nature. It's against our carnal nature to show love. And that's what Jesus came for, to empower us to love way beyond what we could do on our own. This is why Jesus came. Now listen, don't check out on me. I'm almost done. We see in Luke chapter 7, Jesus was walking to Nain. And Jesus lived as a Jew under the law, right? He kept the law perfectly. And in Luke 7, 13, it talks about how Jesus saw a woman with a funeral procession with her son being carried. Now, you know, this is right outside the city gate. So everybody was there. It's where all the commerce was done. We've talked about this. And when Jesus saw this woman who was crying because of her son, he felt compassion on her and said to her, don't weep. And he came up and touched the coffin and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave the young boy back to his mother. Now, under the law, of course, widows were cared for. We know in the law, when you reap your harvest, you had to leave the edges untended. And that's for the widows to be able to glean from the edges of the field on their own. And we can imagine under the law that this widow would be cared for. So it's not that Jesus was so worried about a poor person because he'd already provided for her in the law. And we also know it's illegal for a priest to touch a coffin, for a rabbi to touch a coffin, for a Jew to touch a dead person. But we see because the word says that you would be unclean if you touched the coffin. But we see Jesus had a motive in not resting on the law. Watch this. Luke 7, 13, when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion. And compassion says, I don't care what the law says, I have to show love. Yeah, I didn't personally do anything wrong to these people, but I have to be part of the solution. Jesus said, I didn't kill this young man, but I can be part of fixing this problem. I didn't make this woman lose her status in society because she no longer had a man to speak for her, but I can fix it. And so Jesus, in this way that only Jesus can, never did touch a dead body because whatever he touches lives. And so when Jesus touches our sight and lets us see things we haven't seen before, that part of us comes alive. And we get to choose, am I going to live like a living person or the old nature like I don't know? Listen, Hagar named God El Roy, the God who sees. And I'm here to tell you, El Roy saw this woman's pain. He healed her condition and he restored her place in society. El Roy hears today. He hears the cries of the disenfranchised. He hears the cries of the hurting. He hears the cries of the suffering. Mark chapter 9, verse 20, we hear about a woman who had a a, a bleeding condition for many, many years. And it says a woman who had this condition for 12 years came up behind Jesus and touched his cloak. And she was saying to herself, if only I touch his garment, I'll get well. Now, perhaps she 
was a friend of this woman whose son was raised from the dead. And when she touched him, Jesus turned and saw her and said, Daughter, take courage. Your faith made you well. And at once the woman was healed. Again, this man could not be touched by an unclean woman. She would be violating the law. But there was something higher than the law, and it's called faith. It's called the compassion of God that provokes miracles. It's the compassion of God that activates the power of God so that people can be healed, set free, and restored. Of course, Jesus couldn't be touched by an unclean woman, and he never was. Everyone he touched was made clean. Elroy heard her pain. Now, all these narratives are about women. Why are we talking about this? Now, this is what's important to understand. The status of women in the society was low. And Jesus used all these stories and illustrations about women for a reason. Whoever you're looking down upon, there's the grace of God. And if you'll humble yourself, you can see it. Hagar. An African woman slave whose son gets an inheritance he had no legal right to on his own, independent of Abraham and Sarah. This is our God. The religious thought was that women were beneath them and Jesus was showing people that's where you're missing it. Remember, Jesus said, <clears throat> Wow. Jesus talked about being sick and them caring for him and him being hungry and them feeding him and them being thirsty and being in prison. And they're saying, when, when were any of these things? When did any of these things happen to you, Jesus? A sick person can't even be, can't even touch you because they'll be made well. What are you talking about? And he made it very clear in Matthew 25. I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. <clears throat> I don't know about you, friend, but when I get to heaven, I want to hear those words. I want to hear those words. I want to hear Jesus stand before his father and say, hey, this one fed me. This one said, no, we're not going to allow this in a room that I'm in. We're not telling those jokes around me because I don't find it funny. I, I, no, we're not going to use those words about women. I don't find that amusing. No, we're not going to be racist towards people whose ancestors were in power and now want to serve other people. No, we're not going to say that about people who historically have been poor. We're just, I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm lifting people up to where I'm at. And I hope those of you who have status I don't will do the same for me. I hope those of you who have understanding I don't will help me understand. I, I just want to be a Christ follower. And I want to invite you to the same. Jesus makes it really clear as you serve those whose society says they're beneath you, 
You are serving Jesus. Now, this is a serious point, but I want to point out, I realize I didn't put a who in here. I get it. I don't need emails. I get it, right? You don't have to text me. I see it right now. We're not going to reshoot this, though, because we're this far into it, right? But those, when you are serving people, when society says people are beneath them, are you, as you serve those society says are beneath you, oh, no, I guess it's right. I'm good. My wife was looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm right. I worded it different. Thanks, Sawana. As you serve those society says are beneath you, you're serving Jesus. I so believe that. I so believe that. As you serve people beneath you, you're serving Jesus. Let's say it again. As you serve those society says are beneath you, you are serving Jesus. Man, we don't, we don't do child care back to Revival Kids. We're serving Jesus. We don't give wordplay to people who are hurting. We're serving Jesus. We're not showing charity to women at this church by arguing for their equality. We're serving Jesus. And my wife making sure I don't dress like a clown is not her talking down to me. She's serving Jesus, right? She has better sense about some things than I do. Seriously, though, El Roy, the God who sees, sees you. You're not beneath the love and help of God. You're not so far outside of God's grace that he can't reach you. You're not outside his reach. As a matter of fact, if you feel that way, man, you are in the perfect place for the grace of God to come and encounter your life. Friend, if you have not put your trust in God, or perhaps you're away from God this morning, I want to invite you. We're going to take communion in a moment, and I'm going to invite you right now to become a Christ follower, to say a prayer, and let God lead you back into His beautiful presence. Let's all just say it together. Father God, I love you. Thank you for being the God who hears me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for me. I repent of my sin. Open my eyes. I want to see the water you've provided for me. I want to be water for others. Let me be love in this season. Let me be your hands in this season. Forgive me. Wash me clean. And give me power to be a witness. And I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I love you. Corey's about to come up here and, and, and serve the table of the Lord for us. If you prayed that for the first time or you want information about becoming a Christ follower, I want you to text RLC JOIN to 97000.